Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hello and welcome to all of my fellow Mavericks and all of my fellow Misfits. So grateful that you have tuned in today to the podcast. I'm blessed. I'm happy. God is good. Jesus is on the throne. The Holy Spirit is not dormant. And here we are waking up to another day and embracing all of the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's chaotic on the outside. The culture is at war. The world is engaged in the constant devolving away from the things of God. And on the outside, it looks absolutely terrible. But we know the end of the story. We are citizens of a big K kingdom, and we are not subject to all of the nastiness that is uh, dominating the world. We are people who have been liberated. We've been set free. Our citizenship is from an entirely different realm. And we have the beautiful privilege of walking by faith through a world that knows nothing about Jesus Christ. And yet here we are um, as his ambassadors and those that are inhabited by him through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so um, I began this day just remembering, according to the word of God, I've got it made. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't send me flowers. Yes, I have problems. You have problems. Every single Christian is experiencing some degree of testing and tribulation. That's just the way the kingdom is wired. But we are reminded that there is a breakthrough power in this world that enables us to endure, to continue, and even to thrive in a culture and an atmosphere that is hostile to our God. And yet here we are persevering and uh, just being blessed in the goodness of God. And I just want to rejoice in that as we get started today. I'm blessed that you've tuned in. For you that are first-time viewers, my name is Jeff Lyle. I'm glad that you have stumbled upon the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. And this is a um, really a podcast that is designed to get us thinking um, biblically. That sounds really boring, but it's not. But thinking biblically in order that we might never fall prey to the trends and the traditions that dominate Christendom, especially in the West. Um, I am not a proponent of mindless, unexamined traditions. I just don't think that they have any place. As a matter of fact, I think that unexamined, unbiblical tra traditions are actually hostile to the person of Jesus Christ and to the work of God. And so um, I'm a maverick when it comes to that. And that's what some of this podcast is about. We we don't bow to traditions of denomination. We don't bow to traditions of uh, cultural expressions of Christianity. But the other end of the spectrum is not those um, stale traditions, but the newest and flashiest trends in the church. And whereas traditions kind of mire us to the past, trends demand that we keep up with the cutting edge of whatever humans are doing in the name of Jesus. And guys, I just want to avoid those extremes. So it may make you a misfit if you agree with me on some of these things, and it will definitely make you a maverick. And so that's really kind of what this podcast is all about. Now, we love all people. We're grateful to God for all the valid expressions of Christianity. And it's not our desire to pick a fight. It's not our desire to wage war in the body of Christ. Uh, we're not a schizophrenic body of Christ. 
We don't beat ourselves. We don't argue with ourselves. We don't fight ourselves because that's not productive. That doesn't bring glory to the head of the body, who is Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we are walking in truth. The Apostle John said that he loved to hear that the children of God were walking in truth. And so we want to be doing that. And that's part of what this podcast is all about. Um, Again, if you're new to the podcast, this is all under the umbrella ministry of transforming truth. Uh, That's a ministry that we've had dedicated to getting the the gospel and the truth of God's word uh, disseminated through media and missions. And we do works all over the world, but our primary objective is to get the word of God out through uh, technology, through television here in my home state of Georgia in the United States, and also through um, our YouTube channel, uh, through our Transforming Truth app, through the website, transformingtruth.org. And by the way, you can go there and you will find all sorts of resources to strengthen you in your walk. There's a lot of video on there. There are all my social media links. There's a blog that I write a couple of times a month. And um, yeah, so what we're trying to do is just to give you the opportunity to think about the elements of your faith so that you can grow deeper according to the word of God. Listen, the early church was grounded and founded upon two primary uh, elements. And one was the power of the Holy Spirit and that began at Pentecost. And the other was what we call apostolic doctrine, which would eventually become the written word of God, our New Testament. And so we are people of word and spirit. We don't believe that you have to choose between the authority of God's word and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And so you will hear me constantly promoting both. And um, if you are um, curious about you know some of the things I've taught and preached, um, go to transformingtruth.org or simply Google um Uh, Transforming Truth YouTube, and you will find messages going back years. And uh, I hope that you'll listen to them. We need the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And as we are moving culturally into very dark times, um, friends, we've got to have the light of God's truth in us and coming out from us to a world that doesn't know anything about Him. Very recently, as a matter of fact, in the last episode, I announced that um, I've had a major shift in my ministry, the personal ministry that God's given me. I've been um, in one location serving a local church since the year 1994 as a member, since 1997 as a staff member in that church, and since 2002 as the senior pastor or co-senior pastor of what is now called Newbridge Church. And just this past Sunday, I announced that God was transitioning me to step down from that role that um, I've been so encouraged and blessed to have for so long and to step out into what is somewhat of an Abrahamic calling at the time where I stepped down and I told my uh, team there at the church that God was no longer going to allow me to stay, but I had to move into the next chapter. Um, I, I didn't have anywhere to land. Um, And so it was a bit of an Abrahamic calling of step out, go forth, leave what you know, and move into what you don't know. And I hope by this time next week, we'll have some clarity on our next steps. But pray for me. Um, I want the wisdom of the Lord because uh, I'm not done yet. (laughs) I'm, I'm only 50 years old, and I believe I have at least 25 good more years ahead of me where I can serve the Lord. And we certainly would appreciate your prayers. So along those lines, I want to just give you some thoughts today from the life of Gideon. The life of Gideon from the book of Judges has always been an extreme encouragement to me. And there's a whole lot of instruction, revelation that is attached to the life of Gideon in the book of Judges. And I want to bring you just a snippet 
of a question that he asked um, a long time ago during a very encouraging, um, excuse me, discouraging season in the nation of Israel where they're being dominated by their enemies, the Philistines. And um, I, I think that when external circumstances get so troubling for so long, it can have a negative impact on the way we think about God. And of course, that's not the will of the Lord. But as human beings, we're susceptible, even redeemed human beings saved by the blood of Jesus. We are susceptible to um, forgetting who God is. And in this passage of scripture from Judges chapter six, I'm really only going to read one verse, but um, it's a season where the entire nation of Israel has been dominated by the enemy for so long. And God was ready to bring an end to that. And so he's looking for an individual to recruit an individual that he's calling to step out and lead the nation of Israel to defeat the enemy. And I think that the Lord, no, I don't, I don't think it. I know that the Lord is doing that today, that even some of you listening to this podcast need to embrace in humility, the fact that God has ordained that your life would be significant in your generation. You feel it in your belly. You know it in your spirit. You even wrestle with it because you don't feel qualified to take that mantle on yourself. But if God is giving you and assigning you a mantle to wear in your generation, you best put it on. Gideon's struggle was that he was like, God, you have picked the wrong dude. I am not the guy for this job. But before he gets into that debate with the Lord, there was this question that he asked that the time of his calling. And I want to read you his question to God, um, really to the angel of the Lord, but I believe that angel of the Lord was the Lord himself. And it's it's the question of Gideon in Judges 6, 6.13, because the, the Lord is calling Gideon and saying to basically to Gideon, Gideon, I have a covenant with Israel. I've made some promises to Israel. I'm never going to forget about those promises. And Gideon, you're going to step up in your generation and you're going to be the leader of the nation and you're going to bring a holy um, stomping on the enemy. And Gideon, I'm using you. And so this is the, the question that Gideon asked in response to, to God's proclamation of blessing and victory over Israel through Gideon. Listen to what he asked. He says in Judges 6.13, If the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Let me read that again for emphasis. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where, all is one, where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? <laughs> Some of you have been wondering the same thing as Gideon. You're saying if God's with the church, if God's with the United States of America, if God's with me, if God's with my family, then quite honestly, where is he? And where's his movement? And where's his activity? What do seasons like that feel like for, for Christians when we go through them? Well, praise feels hollow. Prayer becomes wearisome. <laughs> all the people around us with their robust declarations, um, all these other believers with their prophetic declarations and a robust faith and they fall at your feet with like a dull thud and you're tired of all the talk you need God to do something and you need to see it I'm, I'm going to tell you something it's so easy to become convinced 
that your present overwhelming circumstances are going to override the goodness and the promises of God to you. I think that the blight on the modern church is that we've become um, addicted to information and most of the information that finds us through news feeds, through social media feeds, through reports, um, the narrative is mostly unpleasant and opposes the promises of God. And we are addicted, even in the church, to feeding our souls on unpleasant, unhealthy, non-kingdom news. And then you've got the noise of the culture that constantly drowns out the whispers of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, listen, more so than the word of God, our minds are being dominated by information coming from social media and news feeds. And, you know, we're wringing our hands every day about COVID and American politics, if you happen to be in America, and that's become the chosen context every day for a lot of Christians for how they're thinking, how they're feeling, and how they're responding to God in this life. And all of that nastiness that we used to recognize it's on the outside of us, if, if we're not careful and we're not we're not guarding our hearts, somehow we, re we recognize that it's stealthily gone from being outside of us and it's gotten inside of us. And just like in Gideon's day, things are just messed up in our, in our culture in these days. And so a long time ago, Gideon asked an honest question. He said, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Gideon was saying, We've heard about the goodness of God and the big moves of God and the great moves and the powerhouse Holy Spirit encounters and revivals. We've heard about that um, all our lives, but where is it in my generation? It's kind of an embarrassing question, but I, I appreciate Gideon because he's bold enough to ask out loud what less honest believers are secretly asking within today. They're, you know, People are secretly asking, where's the God that we once so easily believed in? Let's learn from Gideon. I think that's important. Gideon's awareness of God and also his confidence in God had, had become completely clouded out by the longstanding difficulty that he and all the Israelites were, were experiencing and the testimonies of the goodness of God from all those former generations. They seem like fairy tales to Gideon. He'd, he had actually lost his assurance in the willingness and the ability of God to properly care for him. And so now Gideon ends up skeptical that God would ever come through. He had gotten used to living as a defeated, fearful Israelite who just expected the Philistines, the enemy, to keep winning and winning and winning. And so he had learned how to live in dread of the enemy until the next time that the enemy came and put a hurt to him and you know his people. I, mean, I want you to think about it with me. Gideon, when he was encountered by the Lord, the angel of the Lord, what, what was he doing? He was hiding in a wine press, trying to get a little bit of grain out of the harvest because the Philistines just kept stealing all the harvest. And so Gideon got a little bit of the wheat and was threshing it out, hoping to get just a little, just hiding, oh, give me a little bit that's that the enemy can't touch. So his whole life was in a defensive posture and hiding from the enemy and looking for the next defeat. Let me just ask you, is that any way for a believer to live? Of course not. It's not how we're supposed to live, afraid of the devil, afraid of the world. 
That's not how God has designed you and I to live. My friends, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Now, you can choose to believe that or not. I believe it because that's what my Bible says. My Bible says that Jeff Lyle, by virtue of Jesus Christ and the promises that are yea and amen in him, is an overcomer, a more than conqueror, always being made to triumph in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm immune from battles and troubles and problems. As a matter of fact, you can't know victory unless you are being opposed. There's no such thing as an unopposed victory. Victory indicates that you were fought and that you won, that you were opposed and you experienced breakthrough. And I think everybody wants the mantle of being victorious without the actual battle that makes victory a reality. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is, and listen, when we get to heaven, we'll be unopposed. When we enter into the eternal state, we will be unopposed. But until then, we're in the middle of a long-lasting spiritual war. And we've been promised the victory, but you have to procure the victory. You actually have to fight for it. You actually have to wage war. You actually have to bring your body into submission to the reign of the Holy Ghost inside of you. And you have to deny your flesh and crucify your flesh. And you have to, you have to resist the devil so that he will flee from you as you submit unto God. So the idea of the Christian life being, you know, this kind of walk in the park kind of thing is just foreign. The enemy has never retired. He fights and fights. But listen, we're not to, we're not to live in fear of the devil. We're not to live in fear of what demons can do. We have authority. The Bible says, do you not know that you will judge angels? And part of that is talking about fallen angels. At the end of the age, we will render the verdicts. The very demons that came against me will have to stand before me and I will judge them before they're damned. Do you believe that? It is in your Bible. And so they, they know that, but we don't operate as if we know that. And Gideon, he certainly wasn't operating in his day as one who was um, a partaker of the covenants and the promises of God. And so as a result, he finds himself all alone in a wine press, hiding from the enemy, waiting for another round of trouble to find him. So, so what did God do when he saw that all that Gideon was producing in his life was deep fear and growing doubt and suffocating cynicism and undeniable frustration with God. I mean, you've got to get the frustration part. He said, yeah, where's God? We've heard about him, but where is he in my day? I mean, those are faithless statements. And yet this is the God, excuse me, this is the guy that God was choosing to be the leader of Israel. So God will meet you in your weak faith. God will meet you in your doubts. God will meet you. He won't affirm those doubts and he won't leave you weak, but he'll, he'll certainly come to you right there. And that's what he did with Gideon. I mean, Almighty God did the unexpected. And instead of heaping shame on his you know, doubting son, Gideon, God comes to Gideon and calls out his true identity and gives him an assignment from heaven. I love that. <laughs> that's the last guy I would have picked, man. Yet another reason why I am not God. Um, I never would have picked Gideon because Gideon's hiding and fearful. I would have picked somebody big and bold and brave if there was one in Israel and God, God does things very differently than we do. He just shows up where Gideon was hiding out. He greets him with this shocking statement. Remember what he said to Gideon? He's an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Hail, you mighty man of valor. Do you remember that? Gideon is not exemplifying valor and courage and might. 
those things are invisible. They, it seems like he's dominated by the, the exact opposite. And yet that's how God addresses him because God calls out his true identity. And you need to remember that, that as the Lord encounters you, he's constantly going to be calling out who he sees you to be. And he's going to have to unconvince you of what you've believed about yourself because a lot of us have believed lies about ourselves, lies that the enemy has accused us of, lies that were passed on to us through word curses and things that people said over us that we chose to come into agreement with, which we should have defied and renounced. And Gideon is, uh, you know, he's taken on the identity of a victimized, fearful man. And so what does God do? God speaks over all of that and says, no, you're actually a mighty man of valor. And then he tells Gideon, Gideon, I'm going to give you um, an assignment that's going to invite you to be the man that, that I use to turn the tide of trouble away from Israel. I mean, he, he literally says to Gideon, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. I said Philistines earlier, it's the Midianites. And he says, do I not send you? That's what he says. Gideon asked this question in Judges 6, 6, 13. And, you know, where's God? If he's, if he's moving, how come we don't see him in our day? And the next statement is, is God saying, Gideon, you're a mighty man in valor, and I'm sending you forth in that might. You're going to save Israel from the Midianites, and I am sending you right now. I mean, it's a powerful thought that God is not intimidated by our weaknesses and what lacks in us. Listen, some of you, I feel this, like I feel like the prophetic stirring of the Holy Spirit right now as I'm talking, that some of you listening need to embrace the fact that God has raised you up in your generation to do something significant. To not be your average Christian, to not just be a church attender, to not be somebody who just sits on the sidelines or, you know, parrots what other people have done in generations past, but that God is calling you to stand up and stand out in your generation. And if your natural response is to say, who, me? I'm not that person. I'm not that type of person. You may want to listen real carefully that when the Holy Spirit is stirring within you, you have to listen to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, even if it comes counter to what you think about yourself. It's not pride. As a matter of fact, it's a great form of humility to say, God is calling something out of me that I don't even think is in me, but I can't deny that I'm stirred to do something glorious for God in my generation. And so when God was encountering Gideon, he's dismissing all of the difficult circumstances. He's, you know, he's going past the defeated mindset within Gideon. And he's, God is also ignoring the intimidating success rate of the enemy against Israel in that season that they were living in. The Midianites were just stomping the, the snot out of, out of Israel week after week, month after month, harvest season after harvest season. Israel was doing all of the work, all of the labor, and then the Midianites were coming in and stealing the harvest. And that was happening year after year. And God's like, yeah, I'm not intimidated by that. Uh, if you want to defeat the enemy, I'm happy to raise you up and we'll defeat the enemy, Gideon. But I'm telling you, you're a mighty man of valor and you've got to, you've got to start believing what I say about you. You know, it was kind of like God's just ignoring the big problems. And he's speaking confidently, even enthusiastically, about the solution to the problems. I mean, it was like he was God or something. <laughs> you know, it's like he, he, he wasn't going to fall down and cry with Gideon and whine with Gideon and grovel with Gideon. He's saying, Gideon, I'm God. I'm with you. You're a mighty man of valor. You just don't know it yet. 
So in essence, God's communicating to an unlikely hero. This is kind of what he's saying. He said, I'm about to crush the enemy and I'm looking for somebody to enlist. And Gideon, you're the one that I've chosen. You're my pick. I see who you're going to become. I declare right now that you are mighty, you are faithful, you are valiant. And Gideon, you're my perfect choice for what I'm what I'm about to do. What do you say, Gideon? You want to do this with me? And Gideon responds again. He's so misidentified himself. Basically, Gideon's response is, you, you, you must not know who I am. You've picked the wrong person. I'm the runt, Lord, in a family of runts, and we have lived in runt town forever. I'm out here hiding. Don't you see that? God, respectively, um, respectfully, you've, you've got it wrong. I am none of those things that you have said. That's basically Gideon's answer in Judges 6.15. And then in Judges 6.16, the Bible says, And Yahweh said to him, But I will be with you. Boom. Ka-boom. There's the answer. Every time we feel like we are insufficient, unqualified, maybe even um, disqualified, when we feel like there's no way that God can use us, there's no way we can rise to the occasion, there's no way that God could be calling us, whether it's an individual, a small church, a tiny ministry, an understaffed, under-resourced kingdom venture, God loves to use things that look weak, broken, worthless, and, um, you know, unworthy. He loves to go to the garbage pile. Now, some of you can't receive that because you're like, I'm not garbage. Well, listen, put down your shield for a minute and just enter into this thing. We know that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and says, God uses the weak things, the foolish things. God uses the unimpressive. And he does all of that to confound, to bewilder, to stun the things of the earth that are strong and mighty and pretty and bold and powerful. God always likes to use weakness to destroy the strength of the world. And so when we understand that apart from God, we are weak. Apart from the blood covenant, we are worthless. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing good that dwells in our flesh that God can use. And so when we acknowledge our weakness, we are dependent upon the strength of God. And that's why God says, hey, you don't have to worry about your weakness. You don't have to worry about your lack of qualification. You don't have to worry that you don't think that you're gifted enough. You, you don't have to worry that you're not as um, anointed as so-and-so. Why? Because of what he said to Gideon. He says to us, he says, but I will be with you. And there's the answer for Gideon and for you. Now, if you're not familiar with what plays out in the life of Gideon, you should make a mission of reading his story in the entire book of Judges. And God did some incredible things with Gideon. And I think what's interesting for me is that I, as I read the life of Gideon, I'm permitted to see the spiritual evolution of this chosen servant of the Lord. Because God bears with Gideon in the beginning with all his needs for reassurance about who he was and what God had called him to do. I mean, literally God baby stepped him out of that wine press and into the war. Well, there's a word for some of you, but you're living in the wine press in fear and God wants to put you in the war in faith. 
And indeed, that's exactly what God did. He did exactly what he promised. And God, um, speaking over Gideon's life, the result was that Gideon became exactly who God declared him to be. He became that mighty man of valor. Why? Because God spoke it over his life and Gideon even reluctantly began to cooperate with God. And God took that weak, reluctant commitment and he declared Gideon's identity and then leads Gideon into that identity one step at a time. And listen, that is what he does with all of us. Man, I, I just feel the pulse of the Holy Spirit for some of you younger people that are listening. God especially likes to assign identity and enlist on his mission. Uh, during season, when it looks like everything's falling apart, he loves to let it get really rough, really difficult, really hard, really gloomy, really dark. And that's when God says, let me speak identity over you and let me enlist you into my mission. I mean, he is the God of paradox and he doesn't have to wait for external situations to improve before he does his deepest and most amazing works inside of us. He doesn't have to wait till conditions get better. And so he's, he's right now, listen, he, he's doing his deepest work and his most amazing work inside of you, inside of us. He presently opposes our doubts by repeatedly speaking over us through the word and through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. He's constantly saying, this is who you truly are. This is who I see you to be. So the question might be, are you making time and a place to listen for his voice? He's gonna prove who you truly are by calling out um, calling you out of your self-made hiding places and putting you somewhere that you are fairly certain that you're not ready for. He's doing that with my life right now. He's taken me out of something I've been in for so long, 27 years in the same church and moving me out of that into a place and an opportunity where I literally am going to be 100% dependent on the Lord for everything. And I love it because I've heard him say who I am. I've heard him speak my identity and I believed it. And I know he's saying, Jeff, there's a lot of unknowns where you're going, but I will be with you. And so as I'm finishing up, let me, let me just say back in the day that nobody on the entire planet thought Gideon was a mighty man of valor who could rescue Israel. Nobody, nobody that is, but the one who made the planet and had no doubts at all about who Gideon was and what Gideon could do. Gideon was God's hand-picked hero. He didn't feel it. He could not envision it. He even protested against it at the beginning, but um, God proved it. God did not give up on Gideon when he failed to respond with, you know, a robust war cry. Okay, I'm a mighty man. Gideon actually had to have signs and laid out the fleece and all of that stuff. It would have been nice if he had just said, God, you have said I am mighty, therefore turn me loose on the Midianites. But he didn't do that. He struggled immensely, but God met him in his struggle and brought him into his full identity. He just kept showing Gideon the one thing Gideon needed to believe. What was that? I will be with you. And that was enough for Gideon to keep saying yes. And I believe it's enough for you to do the same. So I really want you to learn with me from the life of Gideon. And I want some of you that are listening to give yourself to the possibility that God has ordained your life 
for something very significant in this ridiculously godless generation. Quit looking to inferior sources for the move of God. Quit looking to the culture to start applauding the church again. Quit looking for Washington, D.C., no matter what party you vote with, to provide for you the context for a victorious Christian life. You are of a different kingdom. You, my friend, you have the identity that God is assigning you. And when you listen to his voice and receive that and say yes to it and keep saying yes to it, then you're going to step into the, the very thing that God has assigned for you. And when you not only know who you are, but you know why you are, uh, life is going to be a lot more amazing. And your Christianity is not going to be a stale thing that you pull off the shelf on Sunday and then put it back on the shelf Monday morning. Uh, we are meant to be vibrant. We are meant to be bold. We are meant to be individuals that believe in spite of what we see. And Jesus Christ is with us and will be with us to the end. Therefore, we should pursue victory. My time's gone. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. Go to transformingtruth.org and check out the um, resources that are there. If you've not gotten a copy of my book, I have two books. Uh, one that I wrote a chapter in with a lot of other uh, Christian leaders. It's a daily devotional for revival. It really helps us think big about revival. It's called Igniting Revival Fires Every Day. It was put out by my friend Todd Smith, who is the host pastor of the North Georgia Revival. And I was blessed to write a chapter in that book, along with a lot of Christian authors and leaders that you would um, know their names. And I also have my own book there uh, called Figuring It Out As I Go. And I uh, spoke with a man last night who I'd never met before. And he told me he was reading it and how God was challenging him about his own journey. And that's why I wrote that book. I wrote that book to show you how God uses a guy like Gideon, who <laughs> I feel a lot like Gideon I have in my life. Um, but it's, it's a book that will kind of cycle you through the story of God's goodness to me and how I never had a blueprint, but I had to figure things out as I went. And I think some of you listening are in that same season, figuring it out as you go. And so get a copy of it there at transformingtruth.org. I will be back in just a couple of days with a new podcast episode. And we bless you in the name of Jesus to know who you are in Christ, to know that God wants to do something great in your life. And to know that when you walk out your identity as God gives it to you, you will walk in the mission that God has offered to you. We'll see you next time. Bless you. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.